Gene and Roger is the story of the two most powerful, influential movie critics of their time, Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert. You can find Gene and Roger on the Big Picture feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's a quick trailer. It seemed like a crazy idea for a TV show. Take two rivals and let them duke it out about movies. But Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert quickly became the most popular film critics in the country. Millions of viewers tuned in to see whether they vote thumbs up or thumbs down. This is the story of two unlikely superstars who changed the way we argue. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Brian Raftery, and this is Gene and Roger. Listen on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. David, what's on your mind today? This is actually from a few days ago, but I I had this down because I really wanted to get your thoughts on the matter. Um, A guy that I follow on Twitter who is, you know, mostly for his wrestling insights, uh, his Twitter handle is uh, 5 Deuce 4 Trey 7 Right now is <laughs> okay. Right now his handle is Bad News Brown, the, the Chief Rocca. Um, I actually don't know who he is, but he's brilliant. Um, uh, he tweeted this on uh, uh, August 2nd, beginning of the month. I'm not surprised by the reports of other teams wanting to join the SEC. It's the most powerful division, especially with Texas and Oklahoma added. As I've said before, it's 80s WWF and they're getting the best draws from the territories. Either you join up or you fight a losing battle. Now, as a proud Mm. Texas Longhorn, one, I actually don't know how you emotionally feel about joining the evil empire, but my real question for you is, in 80s wrestling terms, what wrestler is the University of Texas joining up with the SEC? So definitely not Hulk Hogan, no. you know, right? We're we're talking like, so if 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 people don't follow college football, Texas is a very prestigious program that has won a less than prestigious number of games over the last forty years, fifty years of college football. Yeah, yeah. So we're not looking at somebody that would be a very famous wrestler from the 80s. Mm-hmm. We're lo- why should we say it's be somebody that's a very famous wrestler from the 80s, but not a particularly successful wrestler from the 80s? Yeah, and Is not yeah, and, and certainly not the Hulk Hogan of WWF. It's not you're not right. walking in the door as the as the headliner. And I would also say not not an admired wrestler <laughs> from the 80s by people who are smart about college football. Mm-hmm. Because as far as I can tell, people that think about the university of texas at all just make fun of the university of texas yeah so yeah i mean you're gonna have to help me here who is who is that from the but i got a couple of ideas that come to mind number one and this is in no way to demean the wrestler uh, is <laughs> just, the, is, te- just is, texas not the wrestler no no is is junkyard dog because he was at his prime down south was like the biggest wrestler in the world he like you know sold out sold out the silver dome you know i mean just like it was a Wait, is that that's not the Silverdome? It's the Superdome. Sorry, um, like he sold out, you know, football arenas in in you know Louisiana and Mississippi. I mean, he was just a super duper star, and he was a big name that everybody loved. He was big on the cartoon and everything when he got to WWF, but he was never physically and everything else going to get back to where he was. He was more of just like he was he was a he was a a cool guy to have around and undeniably a star, but never going to be. Hulk Hogan material. Now, the other He's, one... He sounds like Boise State to me. <laughs> no. And he was with the biggest stars in the world. I mean, just in the world. But you're right. Okay, so here's another one. 
Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase. Actually, I'll take it back. Mm-hmm. I'll just say Ted, say Ted DiBiase because when he was working in Mid South, he was a big, big star. I mean, he but he was just Ted DiBiase. He was like a regular tough guy, and he was one of the biggest dudes. You know, one of the most popular performers in the world, um, but especially in the South and in, in his region. And then when he eventually signed on with the WWF, that old shtick wasn't going to work. And it just by by the grace of Vince McMahon and other forms of serendipity, he reinvented himself as the million dollar man and found a place in the modern world. So that would, I think, be the hopeful look that Texas somehow (laughs) Texas somehow becomes a headliner by dint of turning heel and, you know, putting on a sequin suit. So I think you hit it exactly right. And there's an additional reason, which is that Texas is really good at making money. (laughs) Not so good at winning football games. So essentially, Texas has won the million dollar belt of college football Mm -hmm. where you have a title. Hey, we are the million dollar champions, but we're not the actual champion. We're not the champions where it matters. So, yes, Texas is the million dollar man. Ted DiBiase, by the way, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. So I'm I'm happy, happy to take that on as our uh, 80s wrestling avatar. So and at some point, it's just going to be like, you know. Alabama or somebody wins the title. I guess Alabama is Hulk Hogan. Who would be the big heel of the SEC? Um, or is that also Alabama? Yeah, I think it's. I think <laughs> at some both, point, yeah. at some point, Alabama will fight, will win a national <laughs> title, and Texas will buy it from them, and it'll be yeah. this. It'll be the greatest yeah. like villainous moment in football history. Yeah, Alabama is both Hulk and Andre <laughs> in this analogy. Coming up on today's show, we answer your listener mail about Andrew and Chris Cuomo reinventing the spoilerific NBA draft trying to watch the Olympic Games on Peacock, and more of your only in journalism words. All that and more on the Press Box, a part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Hello, media consumers. Brian Curtis and David Shoemaker here, along with producer Erica Cervantes. David, we need to answer some listener mail today, and we need to start with the Cuomo brothers, because Andrew Cuomo was the subject of a much-discussed report from New York's Attorney General this week. The report found that he had sexually harassed 11 women. His brother also figured in this report. Did you see the email that Chris Cuomo had sent that appeared to be, and I'm quoting from the Washington Post here, a draft statement on behalf of his brother responding to allegations? Yes, go, but go ahead and read it. <laughs> so we know, we know, we already knew Andrew Cuomo's reaction to all this was being workshopped with a bunch of people, including his brother, who was a primetime host on CNN. Now we have an email which has a statement. Again, Chris Cuomo was sending the email. There's a statement. And as the Washington Post notes, the governor's office released a version with similar language. Mm-hmm. So we were not only involved at the you know, I'm on a phone call uh, with my brother. What should he do to get him out of this political mess and moral mess that he's in? We now have, hey, I'm sending an email that looks a lot like the statement that the governor released earlier this year. So listen, that's that. this part wasn't shocking to me. I mean, I heard, when I heard he was on the call, I mean, that's, this, is not, you know, this is not too many steps beyond that, if it's even a single step. Um, but it is, I mean, but we find ourselves, and this, listen, I mean, Cuomo is... Governor Cuomo is not fighting the good fight right now. I mean, he's there's <laughs> no. I, I don't even we don't even need to get into the sort of just 
discussing territory that he's in. But if we just want to talk about this as a media thing, I, I think that um, we talked about it before. I mean, I don't know if we said this out out loud, but it's it sort of struck me that like there's like the journalistic ethics standards, and then there's sort of like human being standards. And by the fact that like CNN is basically employing Chris Cuomo as like a human being or like a personality, right? I mean, it's like he doesn't. You can hold him to journalistic ethics standards, but like it, it's sort of beside the point with him, right? So. You know, in some ways, I don't think that gets him off the hook, but it ex but it makes it easier for me to wrap my head around when I'm just like, well, listen, I mean, of course, you will get on the phone call with your brother to discuss like a terrible thing he's going through. Like we can all sympathize with that, even if it doesn't maybe, you know, pass muster or something you should be allowed to do in a certain line of work. But what we are seeing now, I guess, is kind of coming full circle to like unregular human being standards throwing if we want to throw journalistic ethics aside. We're in like we're clearly in cannibal territory. Not cannibal, <laughs> like he's eating another human. He could be canned territory. Whoa. I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to introduce any new charges here. Cannibal. It's like, it's, like, it's, it's almost like the journalistic journalistic ethics are Chris Cuomo's best defense now, where he's just like, "Hey, I did what you guys didn't tell me not to do that." You know, he's like he's oh, trying man. to like trying to argue on a technicality when it's just like in any line of work, any iteration of this, it's like, you've brought shame to your employer. You are fired now. Right. I mean, it's like you, it just seems, it just seems like we're sort of, he's just sort of operating from the other side all of a sudden. And this isn't like, he's not outwardly saying this, but the, but the best defense of Chris Cuomo at this point is one that like, I feel like I threw aside six months ago as like, as inapplicable. So, uh, you know, I just, I don't know. It's 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 just it's just bad. It's just bad stuff all around. And his brand on CNN is not I'm just an entertainer who's talking about politics. His brand is I'm the brave truth teller who's calling it down the middle. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, but but again, that's sort of a put on. I mean, but yes, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, now we know that that's kind of a put on. Yeah. I mean, it's just it strikes me as one is you say he is cannibal potentially because of this news. <laughs> Maybe and and I'm I'm sort of wondering now what he has to do to lose his job at CNN. Like what what would be the thing now? Because and well, I say that on two levels. One on the ethical level we're talking about, but on the second part of just like, would it matter on CNN if you put somebody else in that slot? If you just move Jake Tapper up to there and put somebody else in Tapper show, would there be a discernible difference in the ratings? I actually don't know the answer to that. On we know on Fox News the answer is usually no. Mm -hmm. Fox has replaced their primetime lineup several times and with their their biggest stars walking out the door and it doesn't matter. So does it matter on CNN or people saying like, I love Chris Cuomo. And if that's somebody else who has the Chris Cuomo truth telling mantle, I'm not turning in. I'm not tuning in. Excuse me. Uh, this is why pro I'm probably not, you know, employable as a, a, a news network executive, because I think that you you when you read these stories, it's like I like Chris Cuomo, he's fine. We've talked about him before. Like there's a lot of people that I have varying degrees of appreciation for on a lot of different levels. But when you read that he makes five million dollars a year and then you talk about replaceability, I mean, don't you think that if CNN held a national search or competition to, to like sell like the winner gets Chris Cuomo's job and you get five million dollars, wouldn't that be a bigger wouldn't more people watch that like by the millions than watch Chris <laughs> Cuomo right now? So Talk like the just, Jeopardy thing. Yeah, I mean, but it's like five Everybody million. gets a week. Listen, I, I Aaron Rodgers, you get a week. LeVar Burton, 
You no. get a week. I mean, just like like you know, like Jesse from the bar. You get a week. Just like whatever. Oh, if you anybody, win, literally anybody. Like literally anybody. Wouldn't you rather watch someone who didn't know what they were doing, <laughs> like host a primetime news show, than watch whatever the replacement level Chris Cuomo is at this point? I mean, when you say why, yeah, but obviously Fox. I think it was Fox News, but also the New York Post um, had you know ran with the story this week about how. Uh, there's an executive vice president, Allison Gallist at CNN, who came from a, being a communications director with Andrew Cuomo. So there's like all this, like, like, like it's sort of whether or not there's a direct line there. There's a lot of very like pl plausible answers to why is he still employed that don't necessarily, it doesn't all necessarily have to add up to you or me, right? I mean, it, uh, they're obviously making this decision based on some 3D chess or, you know, advanced calculus or whatever else. Uh, yeah. I just but, like to know what that is in ratings terms. I really would because I I know like he's a big star in cable news in that world. I get that, but there's a lot of big stars in cable news and they often leave and people put in other big stars into those slots and like I said it doesn't it are we are we absolutely sure there would be an appreciable difference? Well, I think on CNN Fox would not have 100 articles about why their biggest primetime host made this in, incredibly dumb move to advise his brother about yeah, this stuff. And you end up getting a lot of, I mean, it seems that you get a lot of press and presumably a lot of extra eyeballs when you just put somebody new in a primetime slot anyway, right? I mean, when you're kind of, you can kind of do the media rollout, the press rollout of, hey, look at Jesse from the bar or whoever in this, <laughs> you, in this new you, job. You really like Jesse from the bar for this slot. I mean, well, he's got he's got, like a lot got of, he's got a lot of he's got a lot of upside, very high ceiling. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, it's it does it seems like at some point you're just holding on because you've already been holding on, right? I mean, the news just came out. I think it was in the Letitia James investigation. I read it in the New York Times about how um, Jeff Zucker went to Chris Cuomo after the last story broke that he had been advising his brother and said, you know, you can just take time off. And you're not in trouble, but just take time off to if you want to keep doing this, you know. And Chris Cuomo said apparently said no thanks and continued to do it. Um, continued to do both, both be on the air and to, and to advise his brother. Uh, it's um, that's not like the most damnable story in this whole thing by a long shot, but it's also like once you're once you're you know running CNN, once the head of CNN is like. You know, no biggie. Don't you know? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna point any fingers. But like, you're free to handle this in a more appropriate way if you so feel you want to. Yeah. Once you've gone that far, it's kind of hard to fire somebody over any of this, right? It's kind of hard. Yeah. And even and even for not from like a legal like contra contractual point of view, it's a little bit hard to like do a 180 from your own personal moral point of view. You know, it's like you've already this is this has been okay so far. Like, what has actually changed? That a report came out. Well, you didn't learn anything from it. You knew all no. this shit before. No, I I uh, I completely agree. Uh, speaking of upside, David, a note from Wesley Balch. Uh, he writes: the NBA draft is not a must-watch. Twitter is breaking picks before the picks are announced. Plus, draft picks are often wearing the hat of a team that has already traded them. Any ideas on how to improve this? Should the crew be reporting information straight from Twitter? Bill and Ryan Rosillo talked about this on their pod the other day. How do we fix well, the NBA I, draft? I don't. I don't listen to Bill and Ryan talk about it, but I. But I know K KOC was tweeting about it the night of and talked about it to Bill a little bit that night or the next day. Uh, 
the response, I mean, what Kevin said basically was that the NBA has to fix it. They have to just fix it. They have to make it a, more, a better viewing experience. And I, someone, I forgot who it was, but another writer, I believe, responded right away, um, you know, or someone from the NBA, maybe. Someone, someone who knew what they were talking about said, listen, we can't run the NBA draft broadcast based on tweets from Woj. Like, we actually, people just have to functionally call in trades and make them official with the NBA, even though they're functionally official and that Woj knows about them 30 minutes before they happen. The NBA cannot conduct its business that way in a, in a public way. It just seems to me like that's a really, that's a really easy solve, right? I mean, can't the NBA just say like, here's a more streamlined way to do this or whatever, like if anything leaks out, you have to abide by it or you get fined giant into some giant amount. Like just find some way to make the trades happen quickly and happen on live television, right? I mean, the wearing hats thing is the easiest thing to point at. And it's kind of dumb to be a dumb thing to complain about in the grand scheme of things, but it's kind of the most important thing. You know, like they had cameras pointing at Spike Lee and every other Knicks fan who were there for the draft who like literally every time the Knicks made a pick, they would get excited, but the Knicks weren't taking any of those players, you know? And it's just... It's 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 a TV medium, but I think that you really that you could really go about it first and foremost by saying, how do we make this make sense for Spike Lee, who's in attendance? How do we make this make sense <laughs> to the people there? Yes. And then work and then work outward from there, because I don't I don't know that there's like some brilliant fix. There's no like, you know, five minute delay. We could air this on or whatever else, because you are competing with your own talent in Woj and, and also Shams and everybody else who's out there tweeting info. But the hat thing the hat thing is easy to fix. You can if just everything else is fixed, the hat thing gets fixed. <laughs> well, but you can just announce the trade. We have to go through this theater of pretending that a team is drafting somebody when they're not drafting somebody. Can't we just do the NFL thing where the commissioner goes up and says, This pick has been traded with the actual team drafting is this, and they take this guy? Well, I think the problem is that the timelines are so much more condensed and whatever the rigmarole the teams have wow. to go to to formally make a trade that they don't actually have the trade in place. But when when they're going up there, it's just that like as they're calling the league office, some assistant GM somewhere is texting Woj being like, we just traded the pick. And like that's and that gets out. But it's how not is that like different it, from the NFL? Just I assume the, the trades are official up. in the NFL. I assume the trades are somehow made official by the time that Roger Goodell is saying it out loud. But maybe in the not. 15 minutes or some form signed. I seriously I have doubt no it. idea. I think it's all I think you're I right. It's all so. it, it, it's feasible to fix it. It should be very feasible to fix it regardless. The bigger problem is tipping the picks. So like the the draft was. A, let's let's face it, the, the the NFL draft, the NBA draft, every draft is a contrived television show. Mm -hmm. The pick comes in, and instead of flashing up on the screen, we wait for the commissioner to come out every 10, 15 minutes, whatever it is, and make the announcement on a stage. Mm -hmm. And we do that because there's a certain amount of ceremony and there's a certain amount of drama in it. We have we have created a television show out of what is essentially teams making a list of players that they did. So then Adrian Wojnarowski, ESPN reporter, formerly Yahoo reporter, comes along and he says, I don't, I'm not interested in this artifice. I'm interested in telling you as soon as I know who the teams are taking. So I'm going to undermine the television show. I'm going to tweet out the picks as soon as they happen. So you and you don't have to wait for the commissioner to come out on the stage. But then now he works for ESPN. And we're all kind of looking at each other going, wait, we want the contrived television show back. <laughs> like, why are we watching Why are we watching a contrived show 
if it's not withholding the information, if it's not like the Oscars, right? Or the NFL draft, right. where we're not going to know anything until the last second. It's a great question. I, I sort of want them to sort of go full Steve Kornacki on Woj, where the camera's on him and yeah. we're watching him work. Mm-hmm. You know, so, okay, so who cares who's actually being drafted? I want to know Woj picking, you know, working six picks ahead. And I want to see him there on his Blackberry. And then he looks up at the camera and goes, oh, I just figured out who it is. It's, uh, you know, it's so-and-so. He just got, he's he's the sixth pick. Could you imagine, can, could you imagine just how closely everybody would be zooming in on every single um, every single picture of Woj to try to figure out if they can see who he's getting the text messages from or like what you know it, like every time his phone flashes it would just be like this is a pruder film people trying to like do <laughs> work backwards with all that stuff i mean what if it's just his voice it's just <laughs> no, like a I think, still photo I think, that's a, I think that's a great idea and i think that well you so you know, every year people sort of comment on the arms race between Chomps and Woj, right? And the people that are breaking these stories. And occasionally there's somebody who comes in with a little bit of a closer tie to a certain team or a super, a certain agent. By the way, the, the reference, the, 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 the tagging of agents in these free agency tweets, by the way, that have happened lately is just out of control. That it's is really, really strange. Bonkers. Like this it, is it the sort of a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you look at it now, it's like every single thing is like, is is like a it's it's a promotional tool and obviously it is but i mean tagging like literally putting the twitter handle of and the name of the person and the agency that made the deal is not is not any it does not make any more sense than tagging like you know skittles and saying how much you enjoyed eating them while you tweeted that thing you know i mean it's like it's it this is it's 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 you know it's silly it's just dumb it's not i mean that's it's 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 not news you know nobody maybe that maybe in a couple years we will be more interested in those chess pieces but right now people care that like somebody signed with somebody not that you know not who the agent is that the brokered the deal but anyway i do think that what's interesting is Yes, there's competition for these draft pick, you know, for the for the inside info. And I know that they can't run the show based on what, what Woj knows or whatever. But at some point, we have to, like, be honest about the fact that, like, Woj is more plugged in than literally Adam Silver, than, like, the entire league office, right? That he's yeah. not going to get these things wrong. And if that – and if you're not willing to say if you leak to Woj, you're fired or to Woj and everybody else, if you leak any information, you are – excommunicated from NBA games or something like if you're not willing to iron to like, you know, put down the iron fist or whatever and and make a giant rule, then you have to acknowledge that like there are that there there's a dude on Twitter who is more equipped to handle this transmission of of information than you are and you being the NBA and ESPN. Yeah. And and you got to work from there. I think so. I think there's also just too many things going on. There's Woj breaking the picks on Twitter when he learns them. There's the contrived TV show. And then, as you point out, there's the arena show that involves Spike Lee. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to do something for Twitter. We're trying to do something for television. And we're trying to do something for the fans live in the arena. That That is like, it strikes me that at least, that's at least one too many things and maybe two too many things. Mm -hmm. So we, we just can't do, we can't do everything, right? If, what if you just made it? What if you got rid of the crowd and even the draft picks and just made it into like a super studio show. So at least you wouldn't be disappointing Spike Lee, right? Or at least you wouldn't have guys in the wrong hats. That's I just don't think you can do all three of those things and hope they all come off perfectly well. 
Yeah, I mean, some of it's sort of beggars' belief too, right? It's like the the, the little the crew that was there on set, Jalen Rose, uh, etc., were like getting information wrong that we were that we get that we knew to be wrong as they were saying it out. I think loud. it was like, Kendrick Perkins was talking about a team's fit with somebody that they in fact had not drafted. That's yeah, what it was, right? and, he, and then at some point they started oh, they started correcting. Oh, this person had been traded to Detroit, and Jalen got excited and like interviewed somebody based on them being a piston, and they weren't actually a piston we all knew like during the course of the interview it's listen some of it's like you find out these things live and these things are happening in real time and it's hard you can't like it's you know there's certain things are, are just gonna happen but you have to be either be prepared to interrupt or just prepared to roll with the punches or like you know prepared to get it wrong sometimes but still it seems like it's so strange it's like if i were one of those broadcasters and i made a fool of myself right uh by by talking at length about something that the entire world knew to be untrue at the time i feel like anybody else in any other line of work or even in sports the chris cuomo's of the world anybody else would walk out of that and say fix this don't ever let me look like that on tv again right like you like this is not acceptable for someone who's getting who you're paying to be an expert absolutely and, and you would think that they would find a way to fix that but the whole thing is so knotted up that like they can't fix one thing without the whole rest of the thing coming tumbling down and and so I mean it's almost like you just got to start from square one, right? I mean you got to you got to just rebuild it. And if you rebuild it as just a straight TV product with you know Woj there and everything else, and then let all the players go get their prom pictures taken with their hats on and Adam Silver later on or something like that, like that's fine too. But like there, there's got to be a way to do it. I want to talk to you about the Olympics and possibly one of the greatest secondary interviews in magazine history, David. But first, let's do the overworked Twitter joke of the week where we celebrate a gag that was so obvious that all of media Twitter made it at exactly the same time. Send your nominees to at the press box pod where they are always, always gratefully received. David, do you remember the band The Offspring? Of course. According to Variety, the drummer from The Offspring says he's been kicked out of the band for not getting vaccinated. <laughs> it's an overworked Twitter oh, joke no, to write. I know where this is going. I guess they think they've got to keep him separated. We would have also accepted, why don't you get a jab? <laughs> Thanks to Patrick Coran, Sam Kerr, Dan Stanzik, and many, many, many others for that one. In TV news, David, we mentioned the game show Jeopardy has auditioned numerous hosts to replace Alex Trebek. Reports this week have them closing in on someone named Mike Richards as the replacement. <laughs> not LeVar Burton, not Aaron Rodgers, not Dr. Oz, Mike Richards. It was an overworked Twitter joke to write pretty on brand that everyone will be saying, who is Mike Richards? <laughs> oh, that's great. Thanks to Brian Judd, Steve Papinga, and Matt Unmacht for that one. Mike, for the wrestling, the pro wrestling perspective on it, Mike Richards is a pro executive producer on the show and was like, the was one <laughs> of the trial hosts that like no one understood why the EP was getting a shot. And then he gets the job. And so a lot of wrestling people were tweeting Mr. Mc Vince McMahon pulling the hood off his head and saying it was me, Austin. It was me all along. Like he was <laughs> like the higher power was in fact pulling the strings in this whole thing. Which is I'm glad we had an analogy because yeah. I have been struggling to understand the Mike Richards being the <laughs> big choice. Finally, David, the Delta variant of the coronavirus is scary on its own, but as the Daily Beast notes, there is even worse news. "Quote: South Korea has detected its first two cases of a variant." called Delta Plus. Delta Plus. There's an overworked Twitter joke to write, oh, great, another streaming service I've got to buy. 
Thanks to Chris and many others. If you prefer Delta Plus to Peacock Premium, congrats. You made the overworked Twitter joke of the week. Speaking of Peacock, David, people are trying to watch the Olympics. Mm-hmm. You, and have, you and I have touched on this, but we haven't had the full conversation about this. And they are mad that they cannot watch the Olympics in the way they want to watch the Olympics. Yeah. We saw this with the semifinals of men's basketball the other night. Uh, really interesting game, right? USA, Australia. You've got to go to Peacock Premium to find that game, which I did. Like, I think most people in the Ringerverse probably did. I have a couple takes on NBC. One is that as long as you and I have been alive, and NBC has been doing the Summer Olympics since 1988, no one has ever been happy with NBC's coverage of the Olympics. Oh, no. Ever. This is a thing we do every four years because there's time zones and the, you know, the, the games or matches are happening like in the morning, but then NBC is saving them for prime time. But, and this goes back to the sports radio days, we already knew how, what the results were. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of spoiled for us in the morning, but we couldn't watch it when we wanted to. Now NBC has gotten this thing where they put it out on multiple platforms so you can finally kind of watch most of what you want to watch and watch it live. Yeah. Watch it in the middle, watch Slovenia uh, versus France the other day in the middle of the night. But then you've got to go pay for the app. So now people are mad at that part of it. As opposed yeah. to NBC is trying to create a primetime show and, you know, saving everything for primetime. I'm yeah. not really sure how to do. I mean, putting the basketball on the premium service was was something right. Clearly, they're trying to grow the service. Those are really big games in the Olympics right up there with gymnastics and track and Katie Ledecky and everything else. But I don't know what I don't know what the. I don't know what the good solution here is, just like with the NBA draft. It's really it's 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 a really bad situation. I mean, it's it's tough to say, listen, it only happens once every four years or once every two years or whatever. So you're like, there's nothing to really judge it against. You know, I mean, it's hard. It's hard. On the one hand, on the one hand, you know, everybody's going to complain about any sort of new technology, any sort of new way to access stuff, any any presentation they're not used to. It's like we were talking about last week. Every time a website gets redesigned, people would just like go apoplectic. And then like two months later, you realize that's the way the Internet, the entire Internet looks that way now, you know, and that and there's so people are going to complain and they're going to complain online and they're going to find thousands of other people that agree with them, even if they're even if they're wrong. I mean, even if their complaints are baseless or stupid, you know, so it's going to seem like everything's crumbling to the ground but at the same time you know we, we're actually learning how to we're, we're relearning how to engage with this stuff and you know over the top platforms and everything else in a way that we've never had to before it was the blissful ignorance of the prime time show where everybody could complain about the same thing and now we're having to you know actually grapple with the the opportunity to see everything and sure to pay for it it's you know especially the moment when you're trying to push when you're trying to switch channels to realize that you have to like subscribe to a service and put down some money it's always going to be terrible you know it's always going to be you know it'd be great if there was some way to just say yes i promise i will do this tomorrow but can i just watch it now just push a button to watch it now <laughs> you know um but I mean, I, it's it's weird. I think NBC is actually doing a pretty good job of like presenting everything. And as you mentioned, as someone who already has 
Peacock, Peacock Premium and everything else, it's it's been, if not seamless, finding everything. The process, you know, there, I haven't had any moments where I was like, you know, throwing things at my screen. But it's tough, you know. There's no training wheels for this. There's no one's gonna log on in, you know, in May for like a how-to guide to learn how to access the the Olympics and you know when, when they pop up. You know, it's it's people have to figure it out as they're doing it, and it's and people are gonna be mad. But it's not, you know, this is always gonna be. It's not an excuse, but this is a thing that we're going to be dealing with probably pretty regularly for the rest of our lives, or at least the next few years, how people settle into these things. I mean, it's like every year a new wave of viewers watches, streams the Super Bowl instead of watching it on, you know, traditional cable. And that wave of viewers gets really mad on Twitter when there's a lag between what they're watching and what other people are watching, right? I mean, it's like this is a the normal the normal way like evolution of things now new like there are new adopters and those new adopters will be irrationally angry about how things are subtly different than what they're used to it's just the it's just the way the world works i i absolutely agree and i think we're in this kind of wonderful time for sports watching right now and i don't want to be a toady of the networks or the streaming services or anybody else but we've always had to pay to watch the sports we want to watch like your NFL games of the week, a couple other things were on free television. You always had to pay the cable fees to mm -hmm. watch most of what you wanted to watch, to watch wrestling, right? To watch all those kinds of things. Yeah. Then this wonderful, you know, we get all this wonderful technology and people are like, aha, I will not pay for the cable bundle. I will cut the cord. I will show the cable company mm -hmm. that I'm not going to pay for them. And then they're like, wait a second. I'm still having to go around and pay and assemble all these things. And sometimes I can't get the channel I want. And sometimes I have to pay for people. I, you know, it wasn't going to go from a world where you paid the cable company a bunch of money to where everything was free. That just wasn't happening. And I know that it maybe it may have seemed like that for five minutes, but that, that wasn't going to be the future of watching things. You were going to have to pay. And if you weren't paying a lump sum to one entity, you were going to be paying smaller sums to 20 entities. Mm -hmm. That's just the way it goes. And again, I don't love it. I don't love uh, putting my credit card in for all this stuff. I don't, I, I want it to be less money. I want it to be less frustrating. But the economic model here is the same economic model. It just got moved into different, in, into a different place. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was looking, it was funny. I was looking at an old um, University of Texas schedule the other day, long before the Longhorn Network. And it said one of the lesser Texas games was on pay-per-view because they put like one game a year on pay-per-view. Does anybody mm -hmm. remember when that was the case? Probably not. But, you know, 10 years after that, we'd be like, wait, I have to get the Longhorn Network to get this game? Yeah. And now we'd say, well, I have to stream ESPN Plus to get this game and pay them mm -hmm. for it. It's the same complaint we've just transferred it over to different people and in the and the moral of the story sorry to cut you off the moral of the story is it's never going to be free it's never going to be free and it's never going to be particularly easy that's the bad news here yeah i mean the, the, listen there's nothing there are very few things in life that are more irritating than trying to push play trying to just turn on the TV, you're running in the door, your family's sitting down with popcorn, whatever, to watch a thing. And then you realize you have to fumble with your wallet and the remote control and like go through these, like all of these steps to make a thing happen while everyone in your family is asking you why you can't make it happen. Like these things, it's irritating. You're missing kickoff. You're missing whatever. Like that, it's, it's terrible. It's like the hell of modern life. 
but it's also just like really nothing. So, you know, we yeah, can- it's really as, as these things, as things go, it's uh, it's pretty low uh, on the scale of frustration. Uh, we have been talked about. We've we've talked about it various times, David, the how magazine stories, when you write a magazine story, especially about a celebrity, you will get what are called secondaries secondary mm-hmm. interviews from other famous people. We got um, a great nomination for one of the great secondaries of recent times from Mark Tracy of the New York Times. There was a Dua Lipa profile in Vanity Fair <laughs> and Vanity Fair got Bernie Sanders <laughs> as a secondary. I can read you some of the quotes. The attacks against Dua are outrageous, Sanders said, simply saying that we must uphold international standards of human rights consistently, even when it's politically difficult. is not anti-Semitism, dot, dot, dot. It is good that we are seeing a rise of a new generation of leaders like Dua who are speaking out, et cetera, et cetera. Bernie Sanders. <laughs> that is unbelievable. Great job, New York Magazine. Uh, it's Vanity Fair, but... Uh, oh, it's a great job. Sorry. Great job, Vanity Fair. <laughs> uh, David, did you follow the Call Me Coach controversy this week in sports media? Yeah, well, only very vaguely. Will you fill me in? There are two parts to this. The first was Deion Sanders who is the now the head football coach at Jackson State. Mm-hmm. Uh, while back, he was at Southwestern Athletic Conference Media Days. Uh, he told a reporter, you don't call Nick Saban Nick. Don't call me Dion. If you call Nick uh, Nick, you'll get cussed on the spot. So don't do that to me. Treat me like Nick. What Dion Sanders wanted to be addressed as was coach by a formal title. So like you call a U.S. senator when you're talking to him, you say senator. Mm-hmm. You call Deion Sanders, according to Deion Sanders, you call him coach. Well, Mm -hmm. Thursday, New York Giants offensive coordinator Jason Garrett got in on this act. Uh, Pat Leonard of the New York Daily News tweeted out this snippet from a Jason Garrett press conference. Yeah, good to see you guys. Good to see you guys. Yeah, we say good to see you, coach. That's how we do it. Needless to say, of, of course, David, sports writers do not need to call the coach of the team coach <laughs> in a formal, you know, it's not like Mr. President, I have a question <laughs> at the White House. Right. I always, you know, when I've interviewed coaches over the years, I often use that because to me, it's such a funny honorific mm-hmm. as honorifics go. It's sort of like when you'd read about somebody in the old days who took the title colonel, even though they weren't a colonel. Love in the it. army, you know, like, oh, Colonel Shoemaker over here. You know, <laughs> I always think coach is just a funny title. Yeah. So, you know, co, hey, coach. Thanks, it coach. Is. I mean, listen, nobody calls, you know, if you're the manager of a McDonald's, nobody calls you manager Curtis when you walk off the, you know, walk off the premises. But it's 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 inherently funny. I totally agree. They do not. And call also, me by, the, by the way, I, I grew up in Kentucky where um, Colonel is an official state awarded designation it's like getting the key to the city you can like if you achieve a certain level of recognition you can become a kentucky colonel um but i believe colonel sanders uh you know famous colonel from kentucky i believe he appointed himself such uh how about some only in journalism words day before we get Do out it. of here today sports writer mike vorkanov uh suggests the word bruising <laughs> that's pretty good you often see that in political context a bruising primary mm-hmm. uh in cleveland uh, this is from journalist Greg Connors, rife, rife. Nobody ever uses rife in normal speech, but you wouldn't say that my general. house is rife with cockroaches. Maybe I don't not. think so. I think crawling, maybe infested. Yeah. Infested. Uh, ink. As in signing a contract, he inks a deal. He inked with a the deal. Yeah. 
That's also a headline word, right? Because it's three letters and you can smash it into a good mm-hmm. uh, small space there. Uh, we had a nomination for Uvra. Oh, yeah. Uvra. That's a good word when you just I've used that one a lot. Me too. When you want your prose to sound fancy. The other day I used Summa, you know, <laughs> instead of masterpiece, Summa, because that made my my sentence um, a little uh, snazzier in my mind. Cavorting <laughs> was another nominee. I, I anybody... think I would use cavorting in real life. I mean, a little bit tongue in cheek, but yeah, you use guys cavorting. You wouldn't you, if you're is cavorting just like a euphemism word? Is that yeah, why it's on the so. only in journalism list? The other day, I wrote a piece the other day, and I had the word assignation in it because I was trying not to just come out and say the thing that I was talking about, and somebody's like, "Aha!" So you <laughs> used a word because you were trying not to say the thing that you were talking about in the piece. So you said assignation i think cavorting is in that uh department as well and finally david i like this one boon oh yeah it is well boon's an only in journalism word because it's not a practical word it's a lot of there's probably this this applies to some of the other ones too it's just not a practical word to say out loud because even if you used it precisely and in their exact you know pronounce it correctly put it in the exact perfect you know usage perfect placement whoever you're talking to would just be like did you what did you say did you say boot? <laughs> did you say boot? Did you? Right. <laughs> like nobody would get it. Like it's just that's a that's a that's that's not a journalism problem. That's a spoken English problem. Are you talking about the wine? Yeah, exactly. Um, Boone's farm. We- <laughs> Ooh, wine stretching it, but its stuff is good. All right, it's time for David Shoemaker guesses the strained pun headline. Yeah. Monday's headline about the crappy Jungle Cruise movie was Amazon Subprime. (laughs) Today's headline comes from Dan Hauptman Esquire, our good pal. It's from the New York Post. I'll give you the subhead, David. Sommelier of the year busted in string of arsons. Sommelier, I didn't know arsons could be plural, by the way, but sommelier of the year busted in string of arsons. Okay. All right. What was the New York Post strained pun headline? Sorry, excuse me. He was the ex Somalier of the year. I didn't want to imply anything about the current Somalier of the year. <laughs> ex Somalier of the year. They doesn't have to return his crown, is what you're saying. No. Um, <laughs> There's uh, a morals clause in the Somalier of the year uh, award. Um, something is it? Is it wine? Is it wine and it's fire and wine? Right. I mean, these are the mm-hmm. two things that were burning. Exactly. It, Those are your words. Fire, fire and wine are the actual words. Those are the words fire, in the headline. Firing wine, fire wine. Ooh, um, so close. Firing, not firing wine. Just switch whining, it around a little bit. Just switch wine, it around a little bit. Exact wine, same pun. Huh? What? Uh, fire in the. In the wine in the fire, whining in, in the, f- the in the wine, in the wine of fire. Oh, God, in the that's wine so of fire. Great. Oh, that's good. That's so good. I almost was, watched that one the other day. It's a classic. That's a good movie. I was in yeah. the hotel in L.A. the other day and said, "This is the elevator." There was a plaque that said, "This is the elevator." That uh, one of the ending scenes in that movie. I won't spoil it. Oh, in downtown, yeah, that that's yeah. a place that we always used to put us up in the Grantland days. Yeah, that was great. I love that hotel. He is David Shoemaker. I'm Brian Curtis. Production magic by Erica Cervantes. We are back Monday with more lukewarm takes about the media. See you then, David. See you later, Brian.